0: It's so good to be in church once again today and uh, I want to give a shout out to all our Icon Church, all our people, all our campuses today, wherever you're watching from and also anyone else that's watching online today. We're in the second part of our series called Falling Walls and I'm really excited about this series based on the story of Joshua and the fall of Jericho and I really feel that God has something, the Holy Spirit has got something specific for each and every one of us. I want to jump straight into the story in Joshua chapter six. I'm going to read verses one to 11 today. It starts like this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, "Say, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout and then the wall of the city will collapse. I love that, that God told him what was gonna happen. And the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this times, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word until I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Let's pray before we get into the word. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. And I just ask you very simply right now, Holy Spirit, speak to every person who hears my voice today and who sees this broadcast. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I've always loved this story. I loved this story as a a kid. I remember hearing this story in Sunday school. It was one of my favourites. And, uh, you know, I I was a reluctant attendee at Sunday school. I don't know about you, but I never really wanted to go. But my mum used to take me, she'd take me to church and and she would always ask me, how was Sunday school? How was it today? And she, I knew what she wanted. She wanted me to say, mum, it was fantastic. It was great. I loved it. I met Jesus today. You know, I got filled with the Holy Spirit today, mum. But every week she just got, you know, blank face from me she just got reluctance. I just want to shout out this morning to all you parents who might be facing the same thing with your children, but you're still reading these stories and you're still showing up at church and you're still letting people uh, give give this good news message of Jesus into the life of your kids. I want to say, your heroes, parents, well done, keep going. I also want to shout out to all you goo workers and you kids workers in all churches, and you've got kids like I was, reluctant children who are turning up, and maybe they've not got the enthusiasm you would hope for, but actually week in, week out, you're showing up and you're putting these stories into their lives. I want to give you a shout out today because it's so important. Because years later, when I did meet Jesus, I knew these stories and I knew something from these stories about God. You see, the Holy Spirit then had the raw material that He could work with, the Holy Spirit could use these stories that I'd learned as a child to have an impact on my life. And I just remember this story so vividly from my childhood. You know, one of the key things of this story that always intrigued me was the command of Joshua to tell the people, don't speak, keep quiet. And a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I talked a message uh, about how we need to quieten the child chatterbox. We need the, the importance of being still and being quiet, particularly in this season. in the chatterbox, I called it. Which I'm called the internal voice and the external noise. Things like negativity, things like the screams, inter- internal screams within us, anger, frustration, all the things that we might feel in this season, we have to need to quieten. And so the message title I've got for you today, I hope you like it. I'm sure you'll get an emoji for it. Is this Shh. Let me say it one more time. Shh. Be quiet. I love Psalm 46 and verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses, and it says this Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The reason this story intrigued me as a kid, because I had a couple of questions. The first question was, How do you keep all these people quiet? How do you do that? That was the first question. But then the second question was, Why? do you keep all these people quiet? Well, to answer that question, we've got to consider the moment, the time that's happening right here in the life of Joshua and the Israelites. It's a moment of transition. Joshua has just been appointed as the new leader. He's been the assistant pastor, if you like, for 40 years, but now he's the leader and he's, he's had a great teacher. Everything he's learned, he knows, he's learnt from Moses. And what a place to do his apprenticeship under Moses. What a man to learn from. He learned so much, so much good from Moses, so much good from Moses leading the people. But he also learned the bad. He saw in that time as being Moses' assistant, Moses' aide, the good, the bad and the ugly. And now in this moment, I believe Joshua is having a throwback. He's having a throwback 40 years when the people were in a similar situation where they'd come out of Egypt and they were ready to go into the Promised Land, just an 11 day journey to go into the Promised Land. They'd crossed the Red Sea and now they were ready to go in and claim their inheritance. And Moses did this, he sent 12 spies, one from each tribe and uh, uh, one from each tribe. And then when those spies came back, he had them speak in front of the whole people, the whole, nation. And he got them to tell their story of their reconnaissance mission into the the land. And so when the spies came back, they blurted everything. They, They talked about how it was difficult, how there were giants in the land. They posted their findings on Facebook. Everybody had an opinion. And 10 of those spies came back and they said, we can't do it. Moses is crazy, this is a terrible plan. There are giants in the land and we, in our own eyes, look like grasshoppers in the land. Have you brought us here, they accused Moses. Have you brought us to this place only to kill us? But there were two spies, Joshua and Caleb. Yes, the same Joshua that we're talking about today. And they said, we can do it. They said, remember God's promises. Remember that God has called us to this. Remember that God is with us. Remember that a hard place can be a holy place. But the people listened to the chatter. They listened to the noise. They indulged in too much screen time. They listened to too much negativity and they didn't go in. Just let that sink in for a moment. They didn't go in because they weren't able to be quiet, to shh in that moment. You see, Joshua learned this that you can talk yourself out of God's blessing. He learnt that too much talk and you'll stop seeing things as God sees. We saw ourselves, the people said, as grasshoppers and there were giants in the land, but we were like grasshoppers. But that's not how God saw them. And too much talk and you'll stop seeing yourself as God sees you. Joshua learned that the wrong voices can actually kill faith and not increase faith. And so this time when it comes to his turn to do a reconnaissance mission into the land, Joshua just sends two spies, two voices, two people and he asks them to report privately and they are trusted voices, and trusted people. You see, we have the tendency and Joshua learned this, we have the tendency to choose the known over the unknown, to choose comfort over courage and to choose the present over the promise. We have no record actually, that it was God who told uh, Joshua to have the people keep quiet. It reads as if this is his idea and what a great idea it was. They were my questions about quietness, but I also had another question, why seven? Why seven days? Why seven times? In the Bible, seven is the number of completion Uh, Some say it's the number of God, the number of perfection, whereas six is the number of man in the Bible. But I think for the answer, we have to go back again to Genesis chapter one, where God, is. the story tells us that God creates heaven and earth in seven days. And at the end of those seven days, God says it's good, it's complete, it's ready. And then he rested. You see, just like in Genesis chapter one, something new was being born here, a nation that could rest and settle was being born. And, and, and this time, this number, this significance of seven days and then seventh ta- seven times on the seventh day is God saying, this is good. You're now coming into the rest I have for you. You're coming into the promise that I've prepared for you. This is a transition moment, as we said last week, and things will never be quite the same. And in every transition moment, there's obstacles and opposition. For Joshua, it was Jericho, a fortified city. And he would also face many others, many other battles, many other cities, many other problems and obstacles as he was coming in to take the inheritance. But this was the first. And I just want to share three thoughts today on why Joshua's instruction to be quiet is genius and why I think we need to listen to it today, why we need to quieten our souls, our minds, our chatter right now, why we need to be be still and know that God is still God and that we need to declare that God will be exalted among the nations, that God will be exalted in all the earth. And I just wonder whether this is an opportunity for us to be still to be quiet, to shush in this moment, just to be still. Three things, and I wanna share these with you today. First one is this, in the quiet, God changes our perspective. In the quiet, God changes our perspective. Let me read verse two to you again. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its mighty men. See, God says to Joshua, look. But that's not what Joshua could see. When he looked, when he looked at what was in front of him, he didn't see a defeated city. He didn't see a defeated army. No, he saw a fortified city. He saw high walls, he saw thick walls. He saw walls so thick that houses and hostels were built into it and he saw an army an army ready to protect their land, an army ready to protect their their city. I believe this is a great moment for us to consider because what do you do when the way God talks about you, when the way God talks about your life, when the way that God talks about your future is not the way that you see it. When God says something about your situation, but when you look at your situation, it's completely different. What do you do? You do this, you realise that in that moment, God is going to change your perspective. That in that moment of quiet, if you can be still, that God will change the way that you see it. I love the fact of these verses that we see that God speaks from our future. Did you notice that God said to Joshua, see, I have given. He speaks in the past tense. He doesn't say, I am going to give Jericho. He says, no, I've already done it. I've already given it to to you. And God loves to do this. He did it on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross and he's dying for our sins, he says, it is finished. And of course, yes, that's what is happening right there and right then. But also Jesus is declaring that everything is now done and he speaks into our lives and into our present and into our future and says, the work has been done. Now you can receive it and now you can accept it. In Isaiah 54 and verse one, God says this, Sing, O barren woman, you will never bore a child. Burst into songs, shout for joy. You will never in labour because more are the children of the desolate woman than of Heru as a husband. Here, the prophet is saying exactly the same. Celebrate, sing, praise, worship as if it's already happened to you. You see, the enemy wants to use our problems to knock our perspective. He wants to use our problems to diminish our faith and to isolate us from our people. He wants to use our problems to put us into lockdown and to cause us to quit. But you can't lock down the Holy Spirit and you can't lock down the church. And I don't know about you, but I'm not quitting. I'm going to change my perspective because I'm not quitting. I'm going to look at my life. I'm going to look at this moment from the future. I'm going to do what God does and say, look what God has done. He's brought us through. He's rescued us. He's delivered us. He's, he's saved us in this moment. I don't know, I wanna declare today, I'm not quitting. if, If that's you today, why don't you put it in the chat if you're using the chat? Why don't you say it to yourself today? Why don't you tell yourself, I'm not quitting. Imagine for a moment, if you could live your life from your future, if you could be in your future when God has given you the promises, when God has delivered the city into your hand for Joshua, when the walls has fallen down, God told Joshua that's what's gonna happen. He was speaking from his future. I wonder what your life and my life would be like if we could live from that perspective. I wonder what we would do differently. Sometimes I've been asked that question, Paul, if you knew now what you knew back then, what would you do differently? And I always answer like this, well, I would have trusted more. I would have stepped out with more faith even further You know, people thought I was crazy sometimes doing what I did, crazy leaving a job and to to plant churches, but maybe I'd have been even more crazy, crazy to take steps to get buildings and do things in terms of seeing the church go forward, but maybe, not being reckless, but maybe I'd have been even a little bit more crazy because if they're going to say you're crazy, give them some reason to say it. That's what I think in this moment. And before I move on, I don't want to move on too quick because I believe this is helping somebody. In verse one, it says this, that Jericho was tightly shut up or it was securely barred because of the Israelites. I feel I want to say this for somebody today. Sometimes the thing you are scared of is scared of you. Sometimes the enemy tries to scare you because he's actually scared of you. He wants you to quit because He knows that if you don't quit, something's coming down the line for you. I believe God is shifting somebody's perspective today. God is changing somebody's thinking. You've been looking at circumstances and situations one way, but today right there, whether you're in your kitchen, your living room, in your bedroom, the Holy Spirit is doing something in your heart and shifting your perspective. I'm not quitting. I'm changing my perspective and I'm declaring that it's already done. Secondly, in the quiet, God magnifies the promise. I love that. Verse two again, it says that God says, See Joshua, I've given to you the city, but I've given to you the king and its fighting men in the city. Historians and scholars aren't certain what Jericho would have looked like three and a half thousand years ago. They're not certain whether the Jericho that's being spoken about was um, a walled, fortified city with all the inhabitants living in, actually living there with high and thick walls, a city that would take just over an hour probably to walk around. They're not sure if it's that or whether it was just a military outpost, a fortified military outpost protecting the entrance to where the people lived. A fort, if you like, on the road to the city. A fort that maybe had 200 to 250 soldiers living there permanently. We know also it had not just soldiers living there, there was also a brothel and other things as well. But again, whatever it was, the walls were high and the walls were thick and the place was fortified. Whatever it was, the intent was to keep the Israelites from advancing. You see, they were survivors, survivors of slavery, survivors of the wilderness. And they were now going to become settlers. They were wanderers who were gonna become residents. And they were drifters turning into dwellers. They were learning right now how to be sons and not slaves. Because slavery was all they'd known for 400 years. Even in the wilderness for the last 40 years, they'd still known slavery. They were slaves to wandering. They were slaves to a hostile environment. They were slaves to a lack of opportunity. And the temptation to surrender, the temptation in this moment just to walk away must have been huge. But in the quiet, God magnifies the promise. And I love that. See. He says to Joshua, this is a promise. See, I have given you this city. You see, God wanted Joshua to see what he couldn't see. And God wants you and I to see what we can't see. Sometimes we can only see what's right in front of us, but God wants to see the promise, not just the present in this moment. I know I'm speaking to somebody today. In fact, I've got a verse for you. I feel like God gave it. To me, it's from this story, it's from earlier chapters, and I want to encourage you read all the chapters one, two, three, four, five, six of Joshua. But this is chapter three and verse five, and it says, This Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I believe that God, in this season, this is the word I feel I've got God, in this season, will cause you to see what you cannot see. He will cause you to expect what you have not been expecting. And He will cause you to believe for what you've not been able to believe for. See, God says to Joshua, He's got a vision for you to see. He's got a future for you to imagine. He's got a day for you to dream about. See, He says to Joshua, I have given to you this city. It's done. It's, as I've already said, it's in the past. You know, when God promises something, it's done and all you and I have to do is to receive it. He'd promised them a dwelling place. He'd promised them that they would be settlers and they would not have to live the nomadic lifestyle forever. He promised that they would be able to build houses, to plant crops and to do business. And in the quiet, if we can settle ourselves, God magnifies the promise and he wants to do that for us today. What Joshua could see looked impossible. It was shut up. Jericho was in lockdown. There were high walls, thick walls, fortified walls, but God wanted him to see the promise and not the problem. And I wonder what promise does God want you and I to see today over the problem? Oh, the problem is real, it's in front of it. We don't need to dismiss it, but we need to see the problem and magnify the, the, see the promise and magnify the promise in this season. Focus on the promise not on the problem. And the final thing I want to share with you today is this, that in the quiet, God transforms us through the process. I mean, anyone else love the promise more than the process? I mean, maybe you can raise your hands in the chat. Maybe you can, if you're sat on your couch, you could just raise your hand. I'm sure I'll be raising my hand just even watching this back because I love the promise more than the process. But I wanna read verse 11, the last verse we read at the beginning. And it talks about that first day and it says this, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Day one, walk around the city, blow the trumpets, be quiet. Don't forget to be quiet and then go home, go back to the camp. Now, if I was God, And I appreciate that some people think I'm the devil, but if I was God, I would have done this differently. Sorry, God, I know that's a revelation to you. And you could have asked me, I'm here all the time. You could have just asked for my opinion, but actually I would have done this differently. Day one, I would have said, walk around, blow the trumpets, stay quiet. Don't forget to stay quiet. And then at the end of that day, you will hear my still small voice saying, well done well done, come back tomorrow, great job. Day two, I would have had the people walk around the city, blow their trumpets, stay quiet. Don't forget, stay quiet because you don't want to talk yourself out the miracle. You don't want to talk yourself out the blessing. But just as you finish that second day's walk around, the first crack begins to appear in the walls. And on your way back to the camp, Say to the person next to you, just whisper, it's working. Day three, I would have had the people show up in the morning of day three and suddenly that crack that was just tiny the night before when you went home was now large and actually there were birds living in that crack already. But that's not how God chose to do it, bit by bit, one, two, three, four, five, six, day after day. No, six days, of nothing. Six days, 10,000 steps a day, trumpet blasts and silence, no cracks, nothing. But I want us to realise today that those six days are not just the prelude to day seven. Those six days are the process and that in the process, God is transforming us. You see, you and I, we're always in a process with God You know, he's always working in our lives. There's a line in a song that I love and it says this, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You see, wouldn't it be easier if we always knew the plan? Wouldn't it be easier if we always knew the end? But God wants us to trust him and to trust the process. God wants us to keep turning up for the process. God wants us to value the process. He wants us to value day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, even though we see nothing, knowing that on day seven, God is going to move. You see, God was turning them in this moment and in the process, He's turning us from spectators to participants. Let me show you what the key was for those six days. What's the key to those six days? It's this, they're involved, they're participating. You see, because God doesn't want you and I just to receive, live in receiving a mode. He doesn't want you and I just to have our hands open and say, feed me God and fill me. No, He wants us to partner with Him, to be involved with Him because that receiving mode, we need that, we all need that, we all need to be filled, we all need to be refreshed, but it's not good for us to live there. We're not made for it. We're made to be involved, we're made to participate, we're made to partner with God in His mission. And to get us there, God has a process. And we, our job is just keep showing up to the process. There's some great verses in Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 to 22 in the message. And you know, there's this phrase in those verses and it says this, He's using all of us. I had an awkward moment last week when I was watching my message and, and I was sat at home and I actually watched it all four services last week, but I was sat on my couch saying amen to my message. I was shouting out loud and I was saying, come on to the preacher and the preacher was me and it felt awkward. But let me tell you why I did it. I, I, I did it just because there was a response in it because I did it because I'm not going to just be a spectator I'm a participator. It's why I say men in church. It's why I lift my hands in church. I'm not a spectator. I'm involved. I'm joining God in his purpose and in his mission. And I'm not going to let the moment of participation pass me by. I'm not quitting. I'm going to be present in the process, whatever that presence means. So I'm going to be there to pray. I'm going to be there to give. I'm going to be there to connect, to encourage. I'm going to be present in the process. Some of us are just watching what's happening. We're just watching and waiting to see. But I want to say you'll never see it if you just watch and wait. You have to get involved and be present in the process. You know, this whole message is worth it. If you can get the revelation in this next statement, this next line, participation is the process. I have met Over over 30 years of pastoring church, I have met so many Christians who have said one day. But that day never came and the the reason that day never came is because they never got involved in the process. Six days, nothing. But they were participating in the process. 10,000 steps each day for six days, nothing but they were participating in the process. Trumpets were blowing every day for six days, but nothing, but they're participating in the process. Day seven, 10,000 steps, seven times. Yes, 70,000 steps. Blow the trumpets, shout now, and the walls come down. Participation equals process. Let me just say that again participation equals process the walls coming down the miracle that was God's part the walking the quiet the trumpets the coming back doing it all again that was the people's part are you ready to play your part am I ready to play my part are we ready to participate in the process so God can get the glory and do what he wants to do I am, I don't know about you, I'm not quitting. So it's time for us to shh, be quiet. Be quiet so that God can change our perspective. Quieten the noise so that we can let God magnify the promise over the problem. Be quiet so that we can allow the process to transform us. That's my prayer for each and every one of us today. Knowing that God is the one that can tear down the walls. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I believe that you have spoken really powerfully into many lives today, thousands of lives today. And I pray that something will stir from your spirit, that we'll have an unusual sense right now of you leading us, of guiding us. There'll be a rising commitment and, and, a, and a sense that we need to step up and step in to the process. We need to stop watching and waiting but we actually need to do our part and get involved because participation is the process that you have for us. Icon Church, Jeannie and I love you and we're praying for you and believing the best for you. And we can't wait until we can see everyone physically. Thank you so much for watching today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, Log on to our website at www.icon.church Have the best week.